0: On the station.
1: Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Disco Fever, Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery, Episode 7, Unification Part 3. And once again, the two marks are delivering a reverent review, providing you lively debate, conversation, and social commentary. Has Discovery employed a hormonal teenager to pilot the sperm drive? Will Buck need to improve his sexy pillow talk? Never mind the shortage of Dalithium. Will we have enough Kleenex for Stamets? What secrets will be revealed from the introduction of these new species, the Vulcans and the Romulans? How many times will Leonard Nimoy be wheeled out to course correct a show? All this and much more will be unpacked in this week's episode. Let me introduce my friend and co-host, Mr Mark Pollard.
0: Hi, mate. How are you
1: doing? Not too bad. This week, I went to see Walt Disney on ice. Oh, yeah. It was rubbish. It was an old man in a freezer. <laughs>
0: Uh, do you know what people might think my reply was to set you up for that joke if i'd have known that joke was coming i wouldn't set you up for any of it
1: this is not a joke this is a true story i took myself to the town center to nip to the post office and oh my word i saw such a sight do you remember when we did our sister show a film podacy and you were mentioning one of the drawbacks of covid19 being people wearing lycra yeah (laughs) Well, I spotted such a woman wearing what can only be described as a Dumbo onesie. Oh lovely. Yeah. Talk about camel toe. It had Jesus. <laughs> Talk about camel toe, it'd have Jesus turning in his crib. It looked more like a badly folded beach towel. <laughs>
0: Oh man uh, no. I've got an apology to make You're not aware of this I, I feel like a bit of a sham when you introduce me as your co-host Because that implies that there's an equal lifting on the show In terms of contributions and the like Just before we went on air Mark nipped off to heat up his coffee in the microwave And unbeknownst to him whilst he was doing that I was writing my notes for the show Which now constitute one, two, three, four four, five, six words and an ampersand if you can count that as a word as well. So, you, <laughs> you may be doing some of the heavy lifting today, mate. Well, luckily the episode
1: isn't too involved, is it?
0: In my defence, and I appreciate it's a, a weak one to begin with, <laughs> in my defence, I've only watched it once I normally watch it twice. I normally enjoy the event first time round and then the second time round and make some notes, but I've had to nip out to do some stuff today so I didn't have the luxury of watching it a second time. Hence my failure to make Make notes, although my notes are not usually that detailed to begin with. If you dial it back from next to no notes to not even an opportunity to write those pathetic excuses, so I'm going from my head. If this goes slightly wrong, my apologies.
1: This is gonna be exciting.
0: But with this in mind, people, you may want to listen to our previous episodes in which to make a comparison as to how inept I am today as opposed to normal. And if you want to do that, you can catch all of the shows and all of the major podcast platforms we're on Apple Google Spotify Deezer TuneIn Stitcher if you subscribe when the show's dropped it'll automatically download onto your device now we've got another channel called Picard Talk where we talk all things Star Trek Picard we're dropping these episodes on there and vice versa going forward you can actually subscribe either to Disco Fever or Picard Talk and still listen to all of our usual weekly nonsense if you want to give us a follow on social media Picard Talk We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. We insist that A, you give us a follow because it's always nice to hear people's thoughts. B, let us know what you think, both of our show and indeed of Star Trek Discovery. Feel free to insult us. Feel free to give us your thoughts and your comments. Every opinion is welcomed unless it's offensive, in which case, well, we'll either delete you or take you to task on it, I suppose. I don't know. There's nothing wrong with healthy, intelligent debate on things. Not that, to be honest, I'm particularly game for that if if people haven't opinion i'm usually quite happy just to go cool fair enough (laughs) that's fine (laughs) yeah (laughs) and move on with my life. Give us a thought, give us a follow, and check us out. And obviously, if you do feel so inclined, and it would be very nice if you did, if you could give us a review, that would be good. Not least because it gives the show a bit of exposure. More people can find us then, and hopefully that will increase listenership, and hopefully will mean we can do more of this, (laughs) if indeed that is something you want.
1: Now, tell me this, and tell me nothing else. Did we have anybody come back to us on our poll?
0: I'm just checking that, and the answer is... We didn't get any comments, but we did get some votes this week. An incredible five votes on the Twitter poll. Wow. I know, I was bowled over. I mean, it's five more than we got the week before, so baby steps. It seemed that 40%, the majority... (laughs) five! thought it was a good episode last week. Also the show. No, the Star Trek Discovery show, although it's not necessarily a poll that I would hang my hat on, given there's only five people who've given us a vote. Oh, come on, people. do us a favour
1: what happened to Captain Hollywood did he not come back to us he did come back
0: I mean I don't know whether he didn't listen to the show no bitterly disappointed we gave him plenty of shout outs didn't we (laughs)
1: yeah he was our number one fan
0: I'm checking Facebook to see whether we got any of those again probably should have done this before we started the show but alas I was as organised in doing that as I have been for everything else we have, in fact, had a comment on the Facebook. Richie Brewer, I'm not sure, hasn't commented before, but thank you very much, Rich. You may be the star of our show this week. He says, Cobra Kai is how Picard should be following on from TNG. Now, not necessarily relevant for a Star Trek Discovery conversation. However, valid point. Not watched Cobra Kai, so can't particularly comment on that. Discuss.
1: Maybe we should message back and ask him to elaborate on why. In all the vastness of television that I watch, I have not watched we
0: also had some comments from Colm H01, who says, I think his section 31, as in the guy with the specs from a couple of episodes ago, and the Admiral came across as a bit of a dick, <laughs> as did most of the Starfleet staff, aloof, arrogant and condescending. So yes, thank you, Colm H01. I agree with you there.
1: Yeah, point we've made in previous episodes. Well, thank you for getting back to us.
0: And Robert Doyle says, Mr. Body Horror himself. Don't get that. You might have to explain that, Robert Doyle. It's all good. There are people alive, and it would appear there are people who do occasionally comment. It might be a mistake, it might be by accident, but they all count in my head.
1: Like when you put your phone in your back pocket and bum dial somebody?
0: Well, to be honest, it's a bit like when people say hello to you in the street, and I immediately class them as a friend, because I have so
1: few. (laughs) Or I just run away. They're usually trying to sell me something, like save a blind dog.
0: (laughs) Should we get stuck into the episode stuff without further ado, I guess? I've got loads to talk about from my notes.
1: This will be an ideal episode to edit. (laughs) I'll have this done while we're doing it.
0: Well, if it takes the same length of time as your normal editing process, then look forward to listening to it next Christmas, people. Should we do a synopsis or do we want to give our initial... Let's do the synopsis first. Let's be professional about this, Mark.
1: So the synopsis is... While grappling with the fallout of our recent actions and what our future might hold, Burnham agrees to represent the Federation in an intense debate about the release of politically sensitive but highly valuable burn data. Discuss. What did you think about this episode? I wasn't overly impressed, if I'm honest. Really? Yeah. You see, over the course of this series it's dawned on me, and I think we may differ somewhat in why we like these shows and previous shows. What I was looking for with Discovery when it came out was the excitement and apprehension that I got every time I heard there was a new show being released, so like Voyager, Deep Space Nine and when Discovery was kind of a prequel, I was hoping to have something a bit like Deep Space Nine, where you would have all the excitement before Kirk, but after Enterprise and fill in that gap that really didn't have much canon to it and this season gave the opportunity and I've mentioned it far far too many times for the sake of not boring listeners we're in the future and I just wanted to have we said it on episode one it'd be really good as the, to weave a tapestry based on no canon that you can introduce whatever you wanted to do and start from scratch essentially and this episode just fell far too easily into i know you say comfy slippers but for me it was just lazy writing it was just far too easy just to go let's just bring in everybody and try and tie it all back into other shows and things it wasn't i wouldn't say it was pioneering
0: no i I feel the same about this episode as i did last episode which was this was stereotypical if this was dished up to me as a a voyager or an x-gen or a deep space nine episode 20 years ago I'd have been very happy With this episode And I was very happy With this episode As an enjoyable Dose of weekly Star Trek But again I've equally said this Pretty much every week I'm kind of looking For it to step up That next level For it to match The quality of the TV shows That are coming out Now And challenge them For on a level Basis And I don't think These are These court hearings Held on the ship Have been done Goodness knows How many times On every every iteration of the star trek series it's not like the treading new ground i mean in this one in particular they've really treaded on old ground because we've gone through the unification spock process thing we've tiptoed around the picard come lap me lap lap ninja warrior nun thing there's nothing new and exciting beyond a few measly morsels and that just leaves you feeling difficult to explain because i don't feel disappointed because i again i enjoyed this episode but the only way we're going to keep on making more star trek series is if they attract more new viewers if the shows become incredibly popular and i mean popular beyond the existing star trek fan base who have existed for the last 20 years and no tv production company or whatever it is has deemed it necessary to provide us with tv series so in order for them to continue to want to produce this material they need to be getting more viewers and generate more revenue in order for it to be seen as a worthwhile exercise and so my concern is that if this show doesn't attract new people, it will die a death and so will the Star Trek rebirth and if that happens then we as existing Star Trek fans are going to miss out whereas if they're constantly pushing the boundaries and they're constantly bringing in new faces and there's that momentum, they're going to want to produce more Star Trek stuff and that for me is just amazing because, you know, just keep on serving it up to me. That's where I'm at, I think.
1: Trying to be all things to all people and whether that is to try and capture the interest of new Trekkies or just people who enjoy sci-fi. The problem with this approach is it's trying to be a trailblazer or pioneering in areas that are currently happening in societal structures today when in fact, actually, we don't need to do that. What we need to do is focus on an enjoyment process for a fan who might go to a comic con and dress up as the species you introduce. You don't have to not have some sort of underlying story to those species you come across. One of the main draws for me as a Star Trek fan is the technology and the ships. I used to enjoy looking at all the ships coming in and I used to get excited if I saw a younger version or a predecessor to the Enterprise or you saw a new species which is why Voyager for me and even Deep Space Nine, you know, Deep Space Nine took you to the Gamma Quadrant. Nobody would ever, ever seen that before and you got to see the Jem'Hadar. The Breen had only ever been mentioned before in Next Generation. You actually got to see the Breen developed that species and actually quite a formidable foe having destroyed 300 starships in one of the battles in Deep Space Nine and then Voyager took you into the Delta Quadrant and all the people got excited because that's where the Borg's from but then we got to see the Herogian, and they were this powerful force that took on Voyager
0: Species 75965423 Dash 4
1: in fact actually the reason why that was trailblazing is because it was the first time they'd used CGI for a alien species and everyone was like wow that's really good but then you also got the continuation of the Borg now you might not like the Borg but if you do you just got a bit more of the history you got to understand their structure and how their hierarchical system works and you still had every week you still had a dilemma and there was still a good episode a bad episode there was always a filler the one with Tom Paris becoming an amphibian wasn't one of the great ones each episode it developed the crew and it was obviously on its own so it was dealing with isolation and and how you form alliances and build friendships and things like that I was hoping Discovery was going to be a bit like that particularly this season when I found out they were in the future what better opportunity for writers if you're in the creative room we've literally got a bland canvas guys what can we do why would you not want to create new species you wouldn't get any criticism because no one's got anything to refer to all this seems to have done is they've just gone through the filing cabinet of 1960s Star Trek and just pulled randomly things out and gone let's just Use that.
0: I don't want to continue to bag on it this season or this show because people listening are probably going to think, well, we don't even like the show. What are we bothering doing? This season, because I'm trying to keep it, I suppose <laughs> it'd be nice to keep it positive, but this season very much feels like we're setting up for season four. That's what this feels like a layup to the slam dunk of season four, insofar as we're visiting all the bog standard, formerly Federation planets, to see where they're up to. So we've visited. Earth, we've seen what they're like we've visited Vulcan, now Navarre and seen what that's like it feels like we're going around the sort of the founding planets to see where they're up to and then by the end of this season we'll know why the Federation is in the state that it is why the founding member planets are where they're at and then season 4 will probably come to a big climax of where it goes from this point forward and that's kind of how it feels at the minute I mean I was never a big fan of the Vulcans anyway I mean Spot was a legendary character and I know they're supposed to be but the Vulcans I always found really irritatingly snobby and superior and as a result of which I didn't particularly find them a very interesting race because obviously the lack of emotions and then the way they did things, it was always sort of left our characters, the characters we were following very frustrated and, and agitated by their lack of whatever it was that it was causing the problems and I always felt that frustration with them and therefore I've always a associated a negative vibe towards them so i wasn't particularly asked when they were like oh we're going back here it's like how many times have we been to this planet because particularly because burnham comes
1: from there from season one we must have been back two or three times i wouldn't say it's a negative thing it, it's telling the truth based on what we've seen we're avid fans how many years have you invested into star trek i go back to the original series the vulcans were woven into that series then you had the motion picture we had search for spock spock appeared in next generation every time they wanted to wheel him back in to sort something out he was there he was in the spin-off the jj abrams to make sure we could explain the kelvin in the prime universes exist it was spock that was the character that was used for that and then we've had Spock used for this and then the Vulcans appear in every version of Star Trek it's not a story I need it's the equivalent of telling the Peter Parker story yeah we know he got bitten by a spider we've got it we don't need to know we know his uncle died yeah we've got it it's the Batman we know his parents was killed we don't need to know that bit it's kind of implied that we've got that part of his story with the Vulcans I don't want to know what they have for breakfast I'm not interested in their daily routines don't want to know where they get around to in their free time I'm not really bothered The same i are not bothered about the Romulans. We covered the Romulans more than enough in the reboot of Star Trek, and in fact, in Star Trek Nemesis. Yeah. And again, Balance of Terror in the original series, and the Romulans in the Neutral Zone end of season one. They popped up all the way through. Blah 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 blah. I've got it. We just need now to go to a planet to find a species nobody knows anything about and use that to tell a story. If I can come up with a species and suggest that they were the ones that caused the burn, that's a far better idea than just whizzing around every planet that's been seen before.
0: Sticking with the Vulcan Romulan scenario obviously this is picking up on the story threads that we found out about in Star Trek Picard which of course was the Romulan planet went supernova. The Federation led by Picard put vast resources into trying to save and relocate as many Romulans as possible. The whole Romulan society collapsed because to begin with they were totally suspicious of any scientific suggestions that Romulus was at risk and then by the time they did accept it it was too late and then they tried to cover it up and then when the cover up came out it was even too late it was just a shit show <laughs> which is very close to where we're at with pandemics. And... <laughs> but anyway, we digress. At this point, Romulans are a lot warmer towards the Federation because the Federation did very much go out of their way and certainly because of Picard, were very much at the forefront of trying to help Romulans solve this problem. The Vulcans, of course, in the end, Picard ended up quitting over it and this is where the Picard series picks up. Obviously, Romulans are there for it, seem to be a bit more pre- Federation, which is ironic given their stance prior to the supernova situation. The Vulcans have almost done a 180, 360, 270, 90 degrees, whichever, yeah. They're the other side of the coin where they're obviously very sceptical of the Federation for whatever reason. I suspect it's probably because the Federation were trying to develop a travel system, surprise surprise, which has gone wrong and caused a cataclysmic event and therefore buried the fact and hidden from it as they perceive it. It's quite interesting to see how they're, they've almost reversed their roles and that they're having to live in close proximity with one another and obviously are struggling.
1: That's a nice turnaround, isn't it? I like the Vulcans and the Vormians changing places. That's a nice twist on a story. But, you know, even with regards to what you're saying about the Romulus, that almost seemed very reminiscent of the problems we had with the Klingon homeworld that was destroyed because of overmining. And it was just kind of treading in other footsteps that had come before it. It's not an original. Story. It gets fatigued over time. Interestingly, you know what the word Navarre means? Go on. Well, I would have done it if I'd done any research. <laughs> it means two forms. It's a word that came up from the magazine in nineteen sixty eight, Spock and Alia. It was referenced as a ship in an episode of Enterprise called Navarre.
0: Okay, my life doesn't feel enriched. But then again, (laughs) it's obviously going to be an interesting storyline development insofar as seeing how that may encourage or otherwise those societies to try and come back to the Federation. Obviously, the Vulcans don't seem particularly enamoured with the idea. The Romulans probably are more encouraged, A, because they might feel a bit warmer towards the Federation because of how they helped, but also perhaps because the Romulans were almost refugees as a result of this supernova therefore i suspect the balance of power on the planet is very much in the vulcans favor i suspect the romulans are the poorer race who have less access and might get prejudiced more because of their backgrounds and so there will be that underlying feeling of dissatisfaction which perhaps they would hope the federation with its principles of equality and opportunity will give them a chance to rise back up to where they were prior to these problems beginning it's an interesting political debate to have introduced to us although i would probably say it's not a new one because it's very much what we find in picard
1: yeah i would agree it's definitely a debate that's raging on isn't it between the two shows interesting you mentioned equality stamets and tilly
0: well yeah a very rough segue but on the basis that i haven't got that in my notes let's talk about that because that is probably one of the most random storylines i've ever ever come across i mean i'd like to say oh. I didn't see that coming but I didn't see it coming and it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever
1: I agree completely don't know why see Stamets was beginning to warm to me I was liking the way his character was more three dimensional and having a bit more than just one singular emotion being mean and arrogant maybe two emotions I don't know is arrogance an emotion not a characteristic isn't it well maybe uh, someone can comment in and tell us it just seems he's back to his normal self again and also you know in a show that's been trying to box. And panda everybody's needs. Seems that equality for having a female first officer doesn't still sit right with people. The bit I didn't like at the end, they're all standing there saying, Yes, yes. The fact that she needs to be validated by the crew, the same crew, by the way, that when she was talking to a person that didn't exist in real life, didn't give two tosses about her, ignored her. They're all going, Yes. I think I'd be there leaning against one of the bulkheads going,
0: no. If I was a member of that crew, nothing personal against Tilly, were she my crewmate, but I'd be absolutely furious if I was a higher ranking, more experienced officer and was to have been overlooked without any conversation or explanation from the captain as to why an ensign with no experience whatsoever by what she's had on the same ship that all the other people who've been overlooked have had. It's all right, Sarugo, yes but you bravely went into that wormhole and you didn't have to it was a brave thing to do and therefore you do have the experience ignoring the fact that there's however many hundred other people on Discovery who did the exact same thing so they've got the same experience that Tilly has on top of the extra experience because they've been around longer on top of the higher rank that they've earned through the hard work and experience and knowledge that they've acquired over the course of those years only for the low ranking inexperienced Ensign to be basically bumped up to second in command Having never been given the captain's chair, particularly when Saru or Burnham Upanovsky somewhere, it's never really been Tilly who's taken the seat. It's always been one of the other bridge crew members, whose names we still don't particularly know, who have jumped into that seat. It just made no sense whatsoever, other than Tilly's a main character, and if we have her as the number one, it means we don't
1: have to bother our ass explaining the background to any of the other crew members. Well, again, lazy writing, and also there's not hundreds on the Discovery, is there? we find out there's only 80 odd and for those injured so we've got about 70 odd there's not that many to jump ahead of however you know more than anyone else my opinion on due process and journeyman experience I bang on about it often enough so to have an ensign come past me as lieutenant commander I'd be like eh, get because I'm a female no 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 it's because you haven't put the experience in and I can't trust that you're going to know what to do if this shit hits the fan I mean the only time she's taken the captain's chair was when she was playing a role in the mirror universe episode
0: I mean There may be more to this storyline, it might be that Saru has picked Tilly because he needs someone he trusts implicitly because he knows he can manipulate her to make sure that she is his yes man almost and maybe the problems will arise when Tilly books against Saru in his approach and it'll be interesting I guess to see how he responds to having an ensign saying no you're wrong you're absolutely wrong and everyone feels the same way as me and then how that then develops but it's just stupid I mean Burnham is a million miles better as a number one than Tilly and so if Burnham can't be trusted for legitimate reasons to do that job any number of people I mean you've got bloody Colbert who quite frankly seems the most level minded, politically astute, diplomatic, intelligent, and capable officer. He could have done it. You've got Stamets. Well, I probably wouldn't have Stamets. That's a bad example. I mean, you could have had any of the bridge crew who have obviously shown themselves capable. And then, worst case scenario, you've got Dave in <laughs> Transporter, who's probably got more experience than Tilly. Even Dr. Pollard. Get Dr. Pollard in. Pollard for power. That's what I say. But now we've, instead, we've gone from a really wet behind behind the ears, innocent naive Ensign who I mean she's out of her depth quite often doing the role she's doing how she's going to cope as the second in command is just I think Saru's made a real pas there and I think he's done it because he do not want another Burnham
1: it doesn't make any sense at all consider the fact that episode 2 she was hiding behind a saloon bar now she is second in command to a starship
0: and uh, let's compare her to Riker or to Ch- because- Chakotay or Kira or Spock I mean these are the number ones that you have to hold Tilly up against and go, if I was the captain, would I rather have Riker with his groin-exposing stance at the view screen, intimidating the shit out of every male on the other side of the screen and <laughs> seducing every female. On one hand, you've got Spock, who can just intellectually batter everything and anyone, and then you've got Tilly, who randomly throws out swear words and gets told off for it. It's like, Jesus Christ. There's two planets that are going to declare war on one another what should we do captain picard well don't worry we'll send riker in he will schmooze both parties and by the end of it they'll have a cheeky little threesome everyone will be happy and peace will reign forever
1: and they get a free riser doll It doesn't make any sense at all Why you have Tilly Tilly is great Before anyone starts This probably will encourage people To write in Because they're human We loved it Tilly's <laughs> one of
0: my favourite characters Let me put that on the record Tilly absolutely should remain as Tilly I love Tilly More Tilly is not a bad thing Tilly in second in command Of a starship With better people Able to do the job My thoughts are simply A it's a stupid storyline Or I think it's to show Saru's insecurities With his own leadership because Burnham is such the anti-Saru in his opinions a bit like Spock and Kirk really, they embraced their differences and they used each other very much as a yin and a yang so when Kirk wanted to just run off, sleep with all the aliens and blow shit up, Spock was there to rein him back in and vice versa when Spock just wanted to talk to people until they fell asleep, whereas Kirk knew that the only way to deal with this was to blow shit up and sleep with all the aliens then they went that way and the two of them used each other as counterpoints. They both had the same principles but came at it from different angles. Burnham and Saru are exactly the same. They come at it from different angles, and one of them is usually right on a situation. And what they should be doing is having a debate over that and deciding. And if that means Saru has to accept he's wrong or has to change his thoughts, and indeed Burnham vice versa, and I suppose the argument is Burnham isn't necessarily capable of doing that. But that's kind of how it should be, whereas Saru, he doesn't have his gangling, gangling hanging out anymore maybe his testosterone dropped off with his ganglia he doesn't want to have to have that heated debate with somebody and so he feels that if he says to Tilly, this is what i think we should do Tilly will be too inexperienced and perhaps more hesitant to disagree with him than perhaps anyone else would have done on the
1: ship based on what i was saying last week about him conforming wanting to impress the new starfleet she says to him doesn't she is it because you think i'll be easy to conform to and i think that's the reason he says no i call bullshit on that. man. And he's been overlooked every time because Burnham's been first officer. He knows more than anyone the chain of command and the hierarchical structures and everything else. So why would you go against everything you know, everything you've seen before and you've personally experienced being handed over command position and then go, who do I know who's got the least experience on the ship? There's the alien, the guy with 15 eyes. I'm sure he's a higher rank. I mean, Dr. Pollard would be a higher rank because he's the doctor. She. Uh, you know why? Because I keep thinking it's you.
0: Nah, it's not. That's
1: a shame. If you
0: right? gave me a scalpel, I'd be suggesting that even if both your legs are broken, you run as hard as you can to get I away ju- from me.
1: I'd tune in to watch that though. <laughs> if I was CBS, I'd give you a spin off show just a hard, tough love. If you break both your legs, don't come running back to me. Hey, give over. You'd be right. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I've got no arms. Don't worry. <laughs> it's too to parasitical. Go take it with a shot of something strong. You'll be fine. <laughs>
1: Do you know what? Even if he'd done like Dr. McCoy was in the original series, who was a buffer between Spock and Kerr, similar as Dr. Crusher or Deanna Troy, Picard was well and truly fortunate because he had two people who could be buffers and he'd bimble into the ready room and say, you know, this is what we're doing. And Beverly Crusher would sort of swoon and say, oh, do you think that's a good idea? Well, you see,
0: that's that's a really good point you make. And actually, that's an interesting dynamic that I don't think we have in this show. You have the Kirk and Spock, but then you're right. You say you had McCoy. Coy, who was sort of a mixture of the two? He very much approached either or Spock or Kirk to tell them they were being a bell end when they were being a bell end. In Next Gen, you obviously had Troy and occasionally Crusher to do that with Riker. Certainly, Troy with Riker and Picard to do that. In Deep Space Nine, you had Dax who would come in and she would act as the intermediary when Cisco was being a bit of a bell end or if Kira had gone off piste. There's actually always been that third wheel to balance the yin and the yang that I was talking about before, and yet because there is a definite shortage of key characters in this show, any with substance that is we don't have that third wheel, do we?
1: No, so decisions being made are absolute and final, it's a thing you'd have in real life anyway, because how many times do you ruminate on something and ask for a second opinion? In
0: my businesses I always have a business manager and certainly when I was a lawyer with my firm, there was me and Sam, we would discuss the decision and we actually always had our business manager as that third wheel so that if we needed to, if Sam and I didn't agree on an approach, which wasn't all that common, there was a third person to go, well, actually, I agree with Sam. She's more likely to be right in this case. There was that because that's how you operate, isn't it? I will always think I'm right. I always do. In fact, I don't think I've ever been wrong in my entire life on anything ever. And I suspect you are much the same way, but we occasionally would need a third person to go, well, you're wrong, Mark, at which point I'll go, I'm assuming you're talking about the other Mark and not me, because I've never been wrong in my life. And if the yeah, no, you, Mark, I'll go, well, all right, I'll let you off with this mistake, but I'll climb down just on this occasion just for the sake of peace. That's how you operate, isn't it? We are saying
1: the same thing. I'm agreeing with you. You should have said that at <laughs> the outset, and you could have saved yourself some oxygen. Well, if you'd have listened to what I said. What? I was right. <laughs> I wasn't listening. Say that again. Hey. hey. You're breaking up. You're breaking up. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, there's always a third person to adjudicate or provide that buffer in real life. It would make sense to have that dynamic in another Star Trek show where you'd have the third person, but it just seems that everybody on the ship is making final decisions to help with the consequences. They are the captain.
0: Well, I actually thought Colbert was starting to fill that void because he was taking a more significant role in these episodes. He was trying to lead Saru on the mental health of the crew. He was obviously dealing with Stamets insofar as they're a couple anyway, but he was working with Stamets whenever he's got a problem because he's the doctor, he's the go-to person whilst other people have issues. So he actually could have very well filled that third role, but he's nowhere to be seen here to be going, Saru, really? Tilly? Tilly? you
1: sure? I thought his role when that was happening was ideal it made perfect sense to do that although he's not a counsellor it was the next best thing to do that they've seemed to have just ticked that box and moved on now and even Reno who doesn't take any nonsense when they were doing the Jeffrey's tube and she was on painkiller medication she doesn't take any nonsense but she does it in a humorous kind of banterish way wouldn't offend anybody where's she?
0: You mean Rena, who's been through the same as Tilly in addition to surviving on a, an alien planet where all her other crew members have died and perished on her own as well as being senior to Tilly you mean that one
1: that one that would have been probably next in line for the chair
0: where do we think Saru falls into this do we think come the end of this season there's going to be some serious question marks over Saru being the captain
1: oh we're not in any doubt are we how many times does he get overlooked he's good as a character he's not a captain
0: he's too much of a purist I feel and I think as this season goes on he's gonna gradually realise that the Federation isn't the Federation that he left behind nine hundred years ago and actually their morals and their beliefs aren't quite what his are. For example, there's gonna be a decision that needs to be made. Saru won't make it whereas someone like Burnham would make it and at that point staff you're gonna go Burnham you're up because we need you to do what you know is the thing that needs doing. Saru you can go sit over there and have a nice conversation with somebody because that's all you you want to do be diplomatic
1: mm. he's a people pleaser he's the kind if you were in a relationship with him he'd be like what you want to do his girlfriend would say oh I don't know what do you want to do and say, oh, I don't mind I'll do what you want to do he's like no make a decision you know I'm not with you because of your gang dealers I'm here for you to be a person who knows what they want and can make a decision for both of us rather than me constantly keep saying let's go down the pub
0: I don't know you know I think he does do that I just think his sole focus every time is to try and be diplomatic on everything and to ponder and be cautious with. approach to everything and sometimes that isn't the option that you have and sometimes I feel his natural tendency is to avoid conflict and to avoid making the risky decision unless he's forced into have to doing it. As a diplomat he is pretty impressive I mean when he has these conversations with the like of the Vulcan president it's lovely to sit and listen to him, I I do sit and think if I could be that diplomatic whenever I open my mouth then (laughs) maybe my life would be a lot easier easier. He does have skills and there's no doubting. that. I think he's a good captain but he needs that second in command to keep him on his toes and to keep pushing him and not to let him rest on his laurels and make the easy, safe non-confrontational decision just because that's the thing that the good boy does as opposed to the one who goes, "Mm, we should be doing this but like Picard, I mean Picard generally followed the rules but even Picard occasionally knew there was only one way to solve the problem and it was to break the rules and to hell with the consequences I'll deal with them after i fix the problem
1: well yeah and the other thing as well don't forget he's only been a first officer for a couple of years if you think about how many years Riker was first officer he was seven years in the TV show and then the movies so he's probably been a first officer for maybe eight or nine years so he's got that level of experience and being tip of the spear he's involved in diplomatic missions and obviously engaging the Borg he's been involved in all of these things he's got a wide range of experience to be able to deal with things so Rue has had three years total
0: one of which has been
1: led by a lunatic locker that's right technically a renegade first officer he's not had the experience so I'm not sure what the protocol is for promotion within Starfleet I'm-
0: well given how easy it is to become the head of security I don't, <laughs> think, I don't think there is a particularly rigorous promotion system no. certainly going by the Tilly example that we've just experienced the mind boggles I'm not thinking that that's going to be a successful project at all no
1: the other thing that I had which I just thought was poorly written We've now managed to answer the question of where Burnham's mum is But then also wheel in a Picard link Tied into the next stage of our painting by numbers episode
0: Well, I mean... (laughs) Who would have thought she'd have come back and decided to dedicate the rest of her life to becoming a ninja warrior nun? I mean, that seems like a really weird thing to decide to do when you've landed in the future in the way that she did. How you go from landing in the future, glad that the future exists, and trying to find your place in society to just deciding to become religious. I'd love to see her in action, presumably. The only person that we've seen in action as a warrior ninja nun is Legolas from the Picard series, who's pretty kick-ass. Does this mean that Burnham's mum's also equally
1: kick-ass? you think she'd go through the same training, but the interesting thing is, because of time travel, she hasn't aged much, has she? No. Because let's not forget, the time travel allows us to do absolutely everything, because let's not forget the reason why Spock can exist is because of time travel. Going back to episode one, where it can be a year or a couple of days, you've got Burnham that's been there a whole year, Discovery that's been there for essentially a couple of days, call it a week now because we've had seven episodes
0: I think it's probably safe to say it's been there for a few months now because they obviously did the upgrade didn't they oh that's true yeah
1: did you see the new uh, insignia on the shuttles no no, I didn't they've got the new Starfleet badges on the shuttles now
0: I don't like that new badge because you can't really see the insignia you know the Starfleet insignia it's sort of hidden inside of that weird clips thing and I don't like it at all it does nothing
1: for me they appear on the shuttles in this episode but wondering how long she's actually been there and if she's been there for let's say a couple of years I would imagine she's gone through the same rigorous training as elnor although if they use the same due process as starfleet or the discovery does maybe she's just been given a sword and she just she's really shit at it. <laughs> <laughs> well we'll give her the job of
0: defending burnham because because <laughs> she can't do anything else
1: because she's got a sword, hasn't she, in her little... Yeah, she's piece. got a
0: proper samurai sword. They are ninjas, that's the whole point of them, isn't it? The warrior yeah. ninja nuns. It is a hilarious concept. Absolute candour, love that, all yes, for it that. Is. It's definitely a, a part of the Romulan society that I was all for. I thoroughly enjoy the absolute candour side of it. You see, this is another slightly irritating thing about this hearing, was that Burnham went in and a mum I was going, you need to be honest and open, and they're going to do a bit of a personal assassin you go no it's not relevant they're going yeah it kind of is relevant because you're asking for you to be given access to highly secure secretive information that they're not prepared to give to the federation so why would they give it to a complete stranger so of course they're going to have a rummage around in your underwear drawer to see what's around because they want to make sure that they're not just letting an absolute lunatic see this stuff be open be honest about it all and then Burnham goes in and does the absolute obvious and not even in a subtle way. I mean, it's written all over a frigging face. And you're just thinking, do you know what? You're creating a problem for yourself by doing that. And then, lo and behold, they say, well, we're not going to let you have it because you can't be trusted because you've lied. And I'm sitting there going, well, I didn't see that coming, did you? Because
1: her mum immediately turned on her.
0: Well, her mum blew her up, which is... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I-, I sincerely hope if I've ever find myself in that situation, my mum, who won't be listening to this, but if you are ever mum, please don't blow me up if I find myself in a courtroom and you're the only person who can land me in prison he's a very naughty boy I've him do it
1: oh my <laughs> god mum <laughs> that's life in prison for you Mr Pollard if my mum was ever to give witness she would tell the truth yeah well my mum would and she would blow me up that's the thing by the default <laughs> of the absolute candour the way out of this is don't do any wrong stay in school kids don't take drugs um, the way I've been brought up is uh, exactly how my mum is, and she would never lie for me. I suspect you've been brought up the same. But in,
0: in this instance, I mean, you're talking there if you're in a courtroom and you've committed a murder and your mum knows that and perhaps is the only person who can give you an alibi and get you off. In those instances, absolutely, your, your mum, and my mum, well, they'd have a. You won't want to put them in that situation. I know we're going down a very philosophical <laughs> avenue in yeah. trying to do that. By the same token, Here's mum. <laughs> so his mum's ringing everybody just to say that she would blow him up and he would go to prison forever. <laughs> She's just ringing to say that he has to go to court on Monday for murder and... I'm just in the middle
1: of a podcast. Thanks, Mum. Love you. Bye. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very much. My mum probably would battle with herself, but at the end of the day, if I committed a murder, she'd probably come to the assumption that I'm a to society because I did it and therefore it's as much in my interest as everyone else's for the truth to come out. That's not what happens in this instance. We're talking about whether or not a scientist can have have access to scientific information in order to make a determination based on science about something scientific. It is it's not like Burnham's done something wrong. She's asking to have access to something and for her mum to basically blow her up and ruin the whole thing mm. just by not being able to I don't know, just stay quiet. It's not even like don't tell the truth, just don't fucking
1: say anything. Yeah, no, agreed.
0: Where do we think the Burnham mum thing's going? Because it seems like she might just be an occasional revisiting character So I don't think she's going to play any significant
1: parts in these shows. Sadly, I think what you and I have both said, and again, it gets boring to repeat it. We've ticked that box now. We've found a mum. That was one of the singular questions from episode one based on the story arc from the previous season where she found her mum, is that she's thrust into the future one of the questions was where's my mum?" and then she sends the exoskeleton back to be the final signal for the discovery the singular mission was find the mum, and secondary to that because that's how we got into the season what caused the dilithium to explode this just felt a really nice way to tie in a bow how we found a mum now. I don't think we will. She might drop in, like, book. Well, I was going to come to book. Okay. I just think we've ticked that box now. As you've said before, we've been to Earth, been to Trill, and we've now been to Vulcan, Stroke, Navarre. Essentially what Captain Archie did all the way back in Enterprise. We're just repeating ourselves. It's like being on BBC Two. It's just repeats of the same thing. I think the problem is, which we've talked about many times, we're going to run out of episodes. I suspect we're going to end up finding ourselves rushing.
0: I don't think this. we will. I think we are legitimately setting up really interesting conflict style storyline for season four that's how it feels now I feel what we're doing is we're visiting all the planets and we're getting a feel for our environment and the general state of play across this particular sector of the universe and then next year we'll kick into coming up with a juicy storyline with the context of what we've learned in season three I mean what we have learned is that Burnham doesn't really need a mum to be honest I mean certainly after she blows her up because she's got herself a new book and she's been flicking through through those pages with great figure
1: oh my word yes well read a
0: well read a worn book Yes, you smudged him the spine has been well and truly bent and creased ruined his spine (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and she's marked her book. There's another one. Thank you. Tick. She's found the allure of Buck's magnificent pectorals too great to restrain herself from any further. And it seems, tentatively seems, as though Buck has decided that it's better to keep his ship parked in the open docking bay so he can look out of the window, out of the back of the docking bay to pretend he's flying through space and have Burnham as his booty call as opposed to Burnham and Buck riding off into the distance.
1: When I saw that, apart from the observation of the fact that no one's bothered to shut the shuttle bay door yet, I got the impression it was like when two young people are caught and it probably doesn't happen in this time now because I'm quite old, when you would move into your parents' <laughs> house uh, when a boyfriend and girlfriend would move in but they happen to have like a chalet or like a miniature house at the back so you'd live <laughs> with your parents but you'd be in like a, a granny flat and I just got the impression that he's kind of with her. Where have you been born in 1920? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what happened. If people didn't have money, they'd live with the parents. But sometimes those parents had like a spare chalet. Not a
0: chalet. <laughs> chalet. I tell you what, you coming from some rich areas there. Uh, we had just a granny flat with just a couple of bedrooms and a jacuzzi. And we said, Young couple, you go and live in there. You've only got 10 acres to move around in. So you'll probably outgrow it in about, you know, five minutes when you have a child called Augustus. <laughs> Earl the Third of the Woodward estate from which we come.
1: Maybe I'm getting confused with the Crown. <laughs> Some people would like a spare bedroom. So, okay, let's call it a spare bedroom. <laughs> so you basically
0: you have really downgraded. You're not selling this idea to me anymore. I was with the the chalet. I was on board.
1: Well, maybe it's just because I was visualising it as a chalet, but really it was just a spare room, which is surrounded by boxes and dusty games of Monopoly. If you're courting someone... (laughs) Courting?
0: You're still stuck in the 1800s here. When you're going out with somebody. When those marriages were arranged and you began the courting process and you had to meet up and decide how many pigs were going to be exchanged for the child.
1: You joke, but that's exactly what I had to do for my wedding. How many pigs were you traded for? I'll have to show you the list when it's next to you. The list was for stout, cows, goats, I think grain. And Guinness, I think
0: So you had to give them that?
1: Three days of negotiations with what was called the kindred The elders of the village I had to travel to the village Which was like an 18 hour Alton Towers ride And I was under the cover of tarpaulin Because every five seconds I'd get stopped by police Who'd want to get some money off me Because I was a white, blue-eyed boy And then I had to spend three days in negotiations For everybody in the entire village To list what they wanted off me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> True story I know, That bit, was nine years ago by the way We're not talking 1800s uh, This is a podcast in itself Because
0: <laughs> it sounds quite sordid I mean it doesn't paint you in a good light That you only married someone By by, by virtue of painting a load of stuff I'm sure it wasn't You were merely following their traditions Having already yes. decided that you both had fallen in love And were going to wed
1: Yeah in the spare room That was a chalet <laughs> 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 yeah. I'm not making any of that up. No, I, I, I promise you, it wasn't an arranged marriage. We loved each other. That was the process. I've actually married the same person about five times, simply because two of them—one was traditional, one was obviously the legal one, one was the proper wedding—and then there was another wedding. I'm sure there was. Maybe it's four, and then I did it in the UK. <laughs>
0: Uh, just the to clarify problems. people that wasn't in Merseyside not some weird thing that scouts have going on <laughs> this must have been somewhere else but anyhow we Walker. digress what we've established is that Buck and Burnham use his ship as the knocky ground <laughs> where they tiptoe off to for a bit of bump and grind because presumably Burnham doesn't want to be uh, getting some with her first officer lying next to her in the same room because that's where it starts getting Interested? Where do the crew go if they want a bit of nookie, if they share the bedroom? Because there ain't even any door handles, is there, to hang socks off of? You know what I mean? So, I do, yeah, so, yeah. so normally there's a signal to not come in. But if I'm coming back from a long shift and I get there and unbeknownst to me, my roommate's getting some and I don't know this. I'm just going to walk my room door walk in and find that Linus and Giorgio are getting it on. Snotting <laughs> everywhere. In some weird snotty way. That's not necessarily vision i would want to have to have ingrained on my brain so there's no socks on the door maybe they can lock the doors but now you've got your personal transporter things one assumes that you can actually probably just beam yourself into the room if you can't get in having presumably locked yourself out or something i don't know
1: well the problem with that is if you are lying is you probably beam yourself in between them in which case you end up getting (laughs) <laughs> finding yourself
0: caught in the middle, so to speak, yeah you transport right in the middle of the dew and end up finding yourself penetrated in ways you you hadn't expected when you were just coming home to have some tea <laughs> well,
1: you get more than that, you get a bit of dessert as well. <laughs> Have you heard the joke of Superman and Wonder Woman? No. He flies in, he sees Wonder Woman lying on the top of the building naked. So Superman flies in, decides, you know, have a bit of a go and then flies off. And she says, who is that? And the invisible man says, I don't know, but my (laughs) arse (laughs) hair.
0: Oh dear. So wrong on many levels, but there we go. (laughs) we've got Saru who I think's made a rod for his own back by picking someone who he thinks is going to be pliable and I don't think Tilly will be. Tilly's in a bit of a sticky situation because as soon as she needs to pull rank on her mates she's going to have a real job doing it because I don't think she's got the experience and I'm not sure she's necessarily got the bottle to pull rank on her mates when needs be. I'm not sure the crew will respond particularly well when she does it. Burnham still isn't entirely convinced she wants to, I mean I know she seems to want to stay but I suspect. I suspect. I suspect Buck at some point is going to get itchy feet and he's going to want to go
1: and then she's going to be torn, isn't she? It's a weird dynamic because she was upset with Burnham because of the way she left it. Well, this is going to be a daily situation. She's going to have to make decisions that affect her whole crew and the thing with leadership is it's an interesting dynamic leadership. Everybody wants to be the leader until they have it and then they realise. It's just a shit sandwich, isn't it? Absolutely and that means then you've got to treat people in the best interest of their well-being that they won't recognise that and then they'll get upset with you and start self-cherishing and then you've got to explain to them because it's leadership
0: it's horrible being the leader everyone wants to be it because they assume it's great because you can tell everyone what to do and you can delegate jobs and it's dead easy what they don't realise is you're first in you're last out and then when there's a horrible decision that has to be made it's you who has to be the bad guy you can't be people's friends because we used to have this debate again about like your staff and I was like I can't be friends with the staff as much as I would like to because I had some love. Lovely staff. You can't be friends because if you have to get rid of them or let them go or if you need to give them a bollocking about something because they've done it wrong or even if they've got a problem that conflicts with your position, all of a sudden that dynamic changes on a sixpence and you have to be that person and it's very difficult to do that if you've put yourself in that emotional situation and i just don't see tilly having the tools in her toolbox to cope with that there's
1: a lot of people vying for the chair isn't there you've got the burnham renegade rogue approach clearly knows how to handle herself you've got conforming saru who just wants to please everybody but then tilly where it's all brand new territory for her but she doesn't want to upset people and she's not qualified or experienced in any shape or form it'll be interesting to see what happens this season rounds out really are we a bit sad that we're
0: not seeing more of Reno because Reno has been fabulous in every single scene she's had since she first came into the show in season 2 and yet I feel that I don't get anywhere near the dosage of Reno that I want or indeed need I made a note in fact saying that I think we need to see more of Reno she wasn't even in this episode was she when everyone was standing in the engineering room going yeah we're, we're on board Tilly she wasn't even there, was she?
1: Cast your mind back to all of the classic treks. Every episode, all of the people in the episode were there in some form or another. They didn't just kind of drop in. You always saw Chief O'Brien or you saw Kira O'Brien. The story wasn't particularly about them, but you could see that they were going on their normal daily routines within the Deep Space Nine space station. You'd go into Quark's Bar, you'd see Morn, you'd go to the Dabo tables and you'd see the Dabo girl, I've forgotten her name. They'd all be part of your journey. Yeah. Whereas this one just seems to be that they throw a pile of names into a bag and then the episode writers go, right, we'll just pull some names out and they're the people who are going to be in this episode and we'll try and work out a story around it. If you're on the ship, particularly with a crew that's as small as the one on is it's reasonable to suggest that you would probably bump into these people even if it was just in the corridor. I mean, if you think about how season one was in the corridors, you'd pass these people, you'd see them in the canteen or the mess hall, whatever it's called.
0: Well, maybe we've touched upon something here because Dave wasn't there either. So maybe Reno and Dave we're doing a Book and Burnham. Maybe we Book and. Maybe Linus. Maybe. Either. No. Or Giorgio An orgy. Wow. A Georgie. <laughs> I mean, obviously, they don't have keys in the year 3100, but maybe they've thrown the equivalent of the kit. Maybe it's them personal transporters. They lob them all in a bowl and see who you get. The newly branded shuttle or oh, books Bedroom.
1: Buck's Bedroom. That's the podcast in itself, isn't it? Buck's Bedroom.
0: <laughs> Tell you Welcome what. Welcome to Buck's Bedroom. <laughs> that'd be warm and sultry, wouldn't it? Buck's oh, Bedroom. It? Yeah. Before we touch on some Easter eggs, I mean, I say this every week, but where do we think this story is headed? I think there's a big neon sign in there saying the burn and that is the big storyline for this episode and I've got a horrible suspicion that it will be as we suspected it was a deliberate thing that was intended to cause the destruction that it caused or it was an experiment gone wrong well it seems to be that the current thought was from the Vulcans that it was an experiment gone wrong through basically bullying tactics from the Federation it now seems that Burnham can prove that wasn't the case which therefore suggests the alternative which is someone deliberately did it.
1: That's the theory that you Been moving forward on which I've suggested two possible things. It's connected to control, that was an early assumption. And then the second one,
0: hang on, beep, beep beep that's Max reverse sound as he reverses back from that prediction on control well,
1: I still maintain it could be controlled cheeky boy but I had said the other week that I thought it could be Burnham and it's just the word ham is missing <laughs> it's not particularly backtracking I'm still maintaining those things it'll either be I'm right even when I'm wrong or you're right because you always are this painting by numbers approach continues it will be a eco disaster and we're not very green and all that malarkey and we're to electric spaceships blah 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 elon musk blah 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 let's get to the moon yeah (laughs) you could well be right in which case i will take my cap off and pants and uh (laughs) (laughs) and we'll start negotiations So make sure you've got lots of bags of rice. (laughs) Uh, Probably more credence to your thoughts than mine. Mine are far too highbrow for the writers based on what I've said so far. It's very easy that Starfleet did it to themselves.
0: Agreed. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. But it it seems increasingly likely, given the very standardised storylines we seem to be going down.
1: Such a shame. Such a shame.
0: So, what easter eggs have we got from this? Well, I'll say what easter eggs are. we've named quite a few already, haven't we? Surprises otherwise. <coughs>
1: I'm not going to go over the ones you've already mentioned one of the things I did like there was the reference to the USS Yeltsin, the name of Anton Yeltsin, who died in the reboot the J.J. Abrams films in Star Trek Beyond the interesting one actually is the scene where Burnham didn't know about Romulans having the pointy ears uh, what? So Ru and Burnham didn't realise that Romulans were connected to Vulcans mind
0: you I suppose that makes sense because in their timeline you'd know very little about the Romulans because in next gen is the first time we actually meet the Romulans, isn't it?
1: The original series is when you see them. There's a break, so the balance of terror in the original series is the first time you see the Romulans, and then there's a fallout. I'm gonna say about 150 years. I could be wrong. There's a fallout, and then in the next generation, that's when we see them again. So the balance of terror is eight years after this season takes place.
0: All right, so, so they- it makes sense. I didn't, do you know, and it never dawned on me. We just assumed that they knew about warrior ninja nuns, but it makes perfect sense that they did.
1: We also saw Spock's flashback A nice little nod to Spock One of the most favourite characters in The Star Trek canon. Great
0: and double part Episode that as well wasn't it the unification One.
1: With you mentioning that two things Have happened in this episode is they Refer to a previous episode With it being part three. One of the things That they don't do on Discovery and in fact they don't Do it on Picard but have done on every other Show. Title of the show in the credits Right. And they haven't done it with this What they've actually done here is they've nodded To the fact that this is part three of the story. Which is a nice nod.
0: It was a good two-parter although the second part was a bit less exciting but yeah nice nod to Nimoy.
1: That was the other thing that happened in Star Trek Beyond is Spock had died in that year and Anton Yelchin had died as well I think that's the reason there's been a delay in Star Trek 4 because I think it affected quite a lot of the cast quite badly
0: they couldn't afford Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth's wage bill could they I think that was the main reason
1: at the time I think they're all back on board now but there's been a bit of a hiatus in the production we-
0: coronavirus will have driven down them wage demands won't it <laughs> no one's gotten any money so you can do it for Tuppence Apney or nothing
1: that's a valid point I think all the actors now will do it for a pound and a pot noodle I want 500 million million
0: pounds for this. Ah. <laughs> and everyone's, all the owners of the studios are laughing the tits off. going, I can't believe you think we've got 500 million quid. We haven't made a film for like 18 months. <laughs> and the films that we have made, we've paid about twice the cost of the budget in interest on the bank loans we took out to make the bloody thing in the first place. Oh, well, they've sold them on
1: to a streaming service. Yeah, we sold them to BBC, one for a fraction of the price we would have made on tickets. Yeah. yeah, Because it was a Spock, Vulcan-centric episode, there was a lot of nods to existing Reference to the needs of the many, live long and prosper.
0: Fascinating. It was like one of those games you have with your mate. I don't know, you say a business network or say on a podcast, and the challenge is to get as many songs from ACDC into the conversation as possible without letting on. It felt like that when they were throwing these Vulcan sayings and proverbs.
1: You saw the Vulcan gongs and the fire reference, which is from a mock time and the search for Spock. The needs of the many, as I say, got mentioned. So all of these were thrown into the episode they also threw in mention again of the temporal accords which we'd heard previously which links back to an episode of Star Trek Enterprise and then Spock's death this is an interesting thing Starfleet records are obviously wrong because Spock fell into a black hole in 2387 that was the time when the Romulan supernova happened but they don't know he actually went back to 2258 which meant he in the J.J. Abrams reboot
0: quick question then just before you go on from that so I'm confused now which time timeline is discovering is it the original picard prime. timeline, yeah. the prime universe in which case prime. yes bock has gone through a black hole in this timeline hasn't he? too but it's still this oh my god yeah do you know what we're going down the timeline thing let's just leave that because me brain just slightly hurt me
1: your nose always starts bleeding when we talk about oh this i just hate it because... i love i love it everything that happens that isn't the jj abrams film is all the prime timeline and in this timeline as far as starfleet is concerned he falling into a black hole the flashback no not
0: necessarily because it depends which you perceive as being the prime timeline is the prime timeline the one he landed in or the one he left
1: well in terms of canon the prime timeline is all of these well
0: exactly everything that comes after whatever spock did was a (laughs) anyway i told you it makes my head hurt i'm going to i'm going to accept whatever you say
1: (laughs) You can always talk about convergence and branch timelines, but I don't want your head to explode on a podcast. <laughs> Basically, his appearance on the films is the Kelvin timeline, which is totally different to what we're talking about. So in the interest of your brain not blowing up, that's Dick Primetime timeline. Agreed. As I say, he died in 2387, and then but he went back into an alternate 2358, which is the same year when Michael Burnham ended up in the future. He's died quite a lot of times in the... <laughs>
0: that's the conclusion we've confused everyone within an inch of the life on which timeline exists in which universe when what we have established is Spock just keeps on dying all the time
1: (laughs) well as I began the episode we keep wheeling him out and he keeps dying because he died in in the Wrath of Khan yeah and then we had to go and find him and then he died in Next Generation but then he died also in real life but then he also died in Star Trek the J.J. Abrams one he's died a lot of times I hope I get
0: the chance to die that many times (laughs) The implication being that you've got an extended life, not that I want to go through the pain of dying multiple times, because that doesn't sound as nice.
1: Was it the episode in Heroes where one of the people just dies and then comes back? Yeah. SOF 4 gets mentioned a planet that was in Discovery and the crew tried to capture the Red Angel on this planet.
0: It does baffle me about the lack of interest that seems to get shown by every species thus far about the drive propulsion system that Discovery uses to basically drop in at any point in in the universe one assumes given the circumstances everyone finds themselves in that there will be a slightly higher demand or a greater desire to try and find out what it is how it works you know some espionage going on and there doesn't seem to be any of that does there everyone seems oh, like, wow that's pretty good and then they just leave it there and it's like well i'd be looking at how i could replicate that to use for my own benefit
1: absolutely spot on if you think about the cloaking device that was being used during the dominion war it was Section. 31 that was trying to have it off because they weren't allowed to use it were they because of the Treaty of Elgaron then you had all of the people trying to steal the technology and now here you've got something that surpasses a cloaking device because why would you need to cloak you just appear plus you've also got the malleable matter wherever whatever it's called you're now quite a formidable foe the last one I had was Burnham mentions that Surak was the founder of Vulcan logic as people will know in canon the original series in the episode Savage Kirsten Surak fought with Kirk and alongside abraham lincoln Uh, and that concludes this week's easter eggs
0: pretty well done mate so we should give our scores for the episode would you like to go first and give us your overall opinion i'm going to give this a five wow
1: wow wow i'm not going to praise poor behavior as i've said this episode seemed to be poor writing poor execution i knew half the things it wasn't new wasn't refreshing it wasn't dynamic i got the undertones that it was an episode about gdpr and who's using your data and facebook got five thousand points of data on every single person and yet we're happy to do that and that we get seen on cameras over 300 times a day and we're happy to do that yet certain things we're not happy for people to see so i just got another teaching life lesson there thank you very much star trek discovery did need it really thanks because i don't use facebook but appreciate your efforts last week was about reunification the week before was about being on your own the one before that was about ptsd and depression and all that wonderful stuff thank you guys this was just another one of the many many life lessons that i don't need to be taught the other thing was it doesn't make use of the vastness of this future this wonderful exciting fresh tapestry that is a blank canvas that nobody is using wasted we're on episode seven i'm expecting to see the klingons next week
0: yeah no i listen i'm (laughs) I thought about giving this a 7 but I'm going to give it a 6 for much the same reason as you. It just feels like we've decided these comfy slippers are going to be our footwear of choice for the remainder of this season and that's a real shame. The courtroom starship thing has been done goodness knows how many times before. Vulcans and Romulans has been a thing that has been done on Picard and I don't think it needed to be by all means reintroduce it at some point in this season but again as we keep saying when there's a limited number of series with a limited time period for each episode you've got to be quite discerning on how much time you give it I think the Tilly storyline is just ludicrous <laughs> I'm fascinated to see where this goes because I can't for the life of me imagine it's going to end well for anybody at all I enjoyed it because it's Star Trek I enjoyed it because it was sci-fi it felt like the the warm pair of comfy slippers that you want to wear around the house so so far as enjoying it as an episode absolutely but as we keep banging on about we just want it to be i want it to be talked about by people who aren't star trek fans about how amazing it is you know when people go oh have you watched The Queen's Gambit it's amazing you should check it out it's you know it's a storyline about chess and everyone goes oh, chess really and they go no no you've got to watch it because it's it's really interesting they do it in an interesting way and they have a, a different approach to it and etc etc I kind of want them to do the same thing with Star Trek I want people to go don't like Star Trek and you go no watch it it's not the Star Trek you're expecting check it out it might be your bag and then the idea should be that every Star Trek series should be a different iteration of what somebody sees. And I suppose this is where Quentin Tarantino's idea of doing a Star Trek film kind of appealed to me. Not particularly because I'm a massive Tarantino fan, because I'm not. But I quite liked the idea of somebody getting hold of something that is relatively standardizing how it's produced and going, I'm going to rip up that rule book and I'm going to write my own one. And it's like, cool, I'm interested to see what happens here. It's not going to be the Star Trek I know and love necessarily. But that doesn't mean to say won't become a version of Star Trek that I do learn to love and that's kind of what I want. I want more. I'm greedy. I'm selfish. I'm never wrong and I want more. God damn it. So that's what I'm going to do and it's getting a six.
1: What you say saying makes sense. It's interesting you say about the fact that people rave about shows. I got a phone call today and uh, the guy was like, have you seen the latest episode of The Mandalorian? He said, no, I'm looking forward to it. He said, oh, you'll love it. Now, I'm not particularly a Star Wars fan. That's our mate, Gareth, who's locked in a cellar and chained to a wall eating gruel. And, and so... <laughs>
0: That's only because we don't hear from him anymore, do we? Oh, he's not I heard a- from
1: him since lo- that lockdown. He's not I mean, allowed to talk to gone? us
0: anymore because he's got a girlfriend.
1: He's got himself a female. I've not seen him. I don't know whether he's digging a tunnel. Guys, we want to pay some money towards his release, £5 will help him dig. Patreon.com forward slash the pod station. <laughs> Save Gareth. He's been in I mean lockdown for a long time. A lock up. <laughs> Genius Radiant slip Save the Gareth one This is a show That has no modifiers Zero modifiers It taps into All the things I love about 1970s Star Wars And I'm not a fan Gareth loves Star Wars He's the equivalent Of us on Star Trek And it just tells A story And it's great People are raving About it And you mentioned The Queen's Gambit I was on set The other day Not on the Queen's Gambit But somebody was Mentioning it Exactly how you said it They were like Oh it's about chess Like chess And it's like No no You've got to watch it It's really good Exactly what you said Happened Yeah I'm not talking to any one apart from you about star trek because half the time i'm just sucking my teeth thinking come on people let's stop wheeling in spock and just tell a good story without any modifiers it's fine you ain't going to prison for it it's good now interestingly enough just to go back to last episode when we were feeling a bit upset about the orion there is in fact president ryan antennae can in fact grow back ah there's an episode of enterprise where you know our friend who has been probably more characters in star trek canon than anyone else the guy who played Wave. And he played Shrek, I think it was, in Enterprise. It's his character who gets tortured and has his antennae um, yeah. cut off, and they grow back. Our sadness towards this guy who has been mutilated probably hasn't been mutilated. Although, I think what's happened is these writers who've been sitting in a skip with a quill. <laughs> (laughs) haven't bothered and speak to rick berman rick berman i don't know what you do, mate get off your caravan holiday and start writing because we need you back my friend
0: well my missus who's absolutely not a star trek fan whatsoever she thinks i'm a dick just for watching it she actually got into season one because it was very different i mean maybe that says more about her sadomasochistic approach to life that when lots of people were getting killed and wars and torture and stuff she was well in for it but she's got bored she got bored of it so of mid season 2 and that was largely because those slippers kept on coming out of the cupboard and because she wasn't a star trek fan originally all the things that got me into star trek to begin with don't appeal to her now the problem is she's the audience that these studios need to keep on justifying paying the money it would cost to produce these shows people like me will watch it regardless of whether it's amazing or not because that's just how we are we enjoy it enough where it's worth watching even if we moan about it afterwards where not enough of an audience to pay the bills and Java you know, know that because we had a twenty year gap between series which suggests that if we were a cash cow, people would have been milking that within an inch of its life in that 20 year intervening period. And the absence of that suggests it's because they need new audiences and attracting people like my missus to watch it are the kind of people you need to do because she's awful watching something if it's good and new and interesting. So yeah, it's a shame. Hopefully the next episode will kick on and in some other Way. I mean, I haven't seen any teasers or prequels or anything about I saw these. a bit of a
1: teaser because I watch it on CBS online and there's a bit of a teaser. Nothing to write home about. I mean, we don't get to see Bernard and Milken book. in <laughs> book. <laughs>
0: Uh, I was going to start a lot of inappropriate jokes off the back of that, but let's just leave it there for this week, eh? (laughs) Before we get ourselves into any more trouble. Thank you very much for listening, guys. As I say, the Twitter poll is out. Go and vote for it now. Don't miss out. It's possibly one of the most important things you will ever vote on in your life. And if you throw a comment in there as well, whether it be about us, whether you be about the show, whether it be about something completely non-related and random, I mean, hey, at this point, we'll even take that then stick on our social medias twitter instagram or facebook it's picard talk is the page that you're looking for yes indeed we will catch you next week guys for the next installment that we will undoubtedly moan about incessantly before deciding that we still love star trek and we're going to put ourselves through it yet again so without further ado
1: thank you guys away team out
0: (laughs)